Welcome to Growing You, part of LaGrave Avenue CRC's adult education program. You're listening to session two of Loving God and Neighbors, Integrating Worship, Formation, and Missions. In this session, we dive deep into these three areas and find out how they interact with our spiritual lives and how in participating in each of these, each area is also strengthened. This session is presented by Reverend Mike Hogaboom, Reverend Chris Schoon, and Reverend Joyce Boyser. Uh, yeah, welcome everyone. Uh, maybe just a attempt to kind of where, where we were last week to kind of tee up our conversation today. Um, last week, each of us kind of shared our, uh, our call stories, like how, how God has shaped us into each of these uh, positions uh, that we hold, both in the denomination and then here at LaGrave. And we talked a little bit about some of the challenges that we see in the church when it comes to sort of the um, separation or what we kind of um, n- notice as a separation between Worship is over here in this little compartment, and and then I've got my faith formation piece over here, and then I've got this mission piece over here, or maybe I don't. Maybe maybe one is more important than the other, and I should focus on one and and not the other. So we talked about that from each of our perspectives, uh, where they see it happening in the denomination, where I see it happening in our own church, but I um, referenced last week uh, a discipleship uh, survey done by Barna that from 2015 that some of these things were already happening that that people's emphasis evangelical folks their emphasis is on corporate worship and personal prayer things in the middle like one-on-one discipleship small group formation coming to a class like this those sorts of things uh, the survey showed seems to be more optional in the minds of evangelical Christians. So uh, this week we want to talk about then how do, how do we imagine, how do we see the integration of these three and what is the value of that integration? Why is it that we need to integrate these things particularly, worship, faith formation, and mission, or discipleship, outreach? Why is it that these three particularly need to be integrated? So that's kind of where we were. That tees up, I think, what we were talking about today. And at the end of last week, actually, Chris was talking about Jesus' call to come follow him as maybe a place to start. So I think let's start there. Okay. Um, one of the uh, things we just want to say on the start, too, is a huge thank you to LaGrave. Um, all of you, through your ministry share giving to the denomination, make it possible for Joyce and I and our teams to do this type of work, where we come and, and work alongside churches. Um, I know both of us have staff members who actually coach churches in worship leadership, in faith formation, children's ministry, all those things, as well as do curriculum development. And we're really dependent on the generosity and the faithful generosity of churches like LaGrave. So thank you for doing that. Um, That allows us to live into our sense of calling, too. Um, One of the things that um, we often talk about when it comes to this relationship of of belonging to the church and what it means to be a faithful Christian, um, we say you got to believe. But then we also say there's a sense of 
a certain way of behaving uh, that reflects a Christian life. And, and then we also talk about uh, belonging, belonging to Christ and to Christ's body. And so we use those three uh, B words, behave, belong, believe, and we talk about those. And what we've been seeing over the last few years is actually a shift in the way that gets ordered. Quite often in the Christian reform history, we've talked about you come to believe and you learn to behave and then you make profession of faith and belong. <laughs> and that's kind of been our pattern. Um, without, I'm not critiquing the pattern, but recognizing a shift that's happening where a lot of people want to, let me see if you accept me first. Is this a community I can belong in? And in that context of belonging, can I learn how to behave? And then maybe I'll believe. Maybe I'll believe what you say is true if I'm accepted and welcomed into this community. And so belief actually, for quite a few people now, is trailing behind belonging and behaving. And in some of the wrestling of this, um, uh, one of my professors pointed out that um, Jesus in the, in the Gospels, he starts with the call, come follow me, which is, uh, uh, you belong to me, come behave with me. And the confession that Jesus is the Christ doesn't come from Peter until probably the end of the second year, start of the third year of Jesus' ministry, when he starts turning back towards Jerusalem and the cross. And so these guys are walking with Jesus, like day in, day out, walking with Jesus for the better part of two years. And along the way, they keep saying, who is this? They're discovering who Jesus is. They're discovering what it means to believe in him after they've seen all these miracles, the feeding of 5,000, and, and one of the most common who is this comes when Jesus is walking on the water <laughs> and, and the other one where Jesus calms the storm <laughs> uh, on the lake. He's asleep in the boat and the disciples are all anxious and, and thinking, you know, these lifetime fishermen think the boat's going to be swamped and they're going to die out in the lake. And Jesus sound asleep, and they wake him up, and he speaks to the wind, and they respond, who is this, that even the wind and the waves obey him? So they don't come to that point of belief until later on. And I, I, I start wondering, and we've talked about this some, how does that, that storyline in Scripture affect the way we approach worship, the way we approach discipleship? Um, what, is, what does that do? And so we're we're trying to wrestle through some of that. And I think it's, it's helpful because you begin to see um, mission is not an optional thing out there. It's actually integrated into the process of someone coming to believe. Um, and you see worship um, tied in here. And, and one of the other passages we've talked about is the, the Great Commission. Um, but if you read the whole context of that passage, it starts with, they all come together, um, they worshiped Jesus, but some doubted. <laughs> and and it does, it's, it's plural there, so it's not just Thomas doubted, which we all like to rely on, but some of them doubted. They worshiped, but some of them doubted. And then Jesus gives that commission, and that mission commission says, baptize them, which is clearly a worship place, again, and <laughs> teach them all, everything I've commanded you, which is a, a discipleship place. So as we're talking, we're going, worship, discipleship, mission, 
Jesus kept integrating these three things in the way he engaged with his own disciples. And even in commissioning them and sending them out, he's wrapping worship, discipleship, and mission all back together. Um, And so that, I think, has propelled some of our conversations. I can take it from there. Yes, you may. You mentioned the word baptize. That's all I mean. (laughs) 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 I'm all about baptism. (laughs) And you all had a baptism or two this morning, I believe. And um, that's the start of belonging. Uh, That's when we tell our children, you belong. And God says, you belong. Um, That's where it starts. And then from there on in, the onus on the church is acting as if our church, our children belong, um, that they aren't uh, in the waiting wings <laughs> uh, to belong, um, but they already now belong. And so they belong in our worship. They belong in leading us in our worship. They belong in being equally asked to participate in faith formation and mission. Um, that we receive uh, what they have to give us for the challenges that our children uh, uh, give us as well to, to our faith, um, that they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, uh, and we're hoping and praying um, that that all gets fulfilled in their accepting um, this reality that they belong and them standing up in front of us and saying, yes, 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 indeed, we, we do belong. Um, and, and that's our hope and, and prayer uh, to see that happen. So that's, even that is all meshed in. And if you look at a theology of baptism, what are you being baptized to? They always sometimes talk about it as being a, a, a type of an ordination. It's the beginning of a lifelong pattern of discipleship and ministry and mission. Um, that's, you know, baptism is not the end of the road. It's the beginning of our journey of discipleship and mission. And it continues throughout our life. It doesn't stop with profession of faith. Profession of faith is just one stop along the way. Yeah. I think, um, and maybe you could speak to this too, and I've got, thanks for bringing up the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. If we could put a pin in that, (laughs) I'd like to circle back to it. But um, uh, I think as you talk about that, what I, it reminds me of, so children's messages here. Mm-hmm. And, and so I want to pick up on that. As we wear different color stoles and we, and we move throughout the liturgical seasons, and then, and then who's ever doing the, at the first Sunday will often ask the kids as they come forward, every time they know exactly what liturgical season we're moving into and what that says about Jesus Christ because, and here's my point, of the children's worship program. So I think I want to just a shout out for that, give you space to kind of talk about maybe if you want a little commercial, why that's important to us or how that forms us particularly. But then also I think, too, um, this is one of the church, um, we've embraced that idea of uh, Lord's Supper, opening that table to our youngest members. And and the way we do that is we offer... um, uh, opportunity for table fellowship profession that's appropriate, age appropriate mm-hmm. for kids as they talk with their parents and yep. so forth. So we see that formation happening mm-hmm. uh, in those spaces. So if you want to, any thoughts on that from uh, how that's working out in the denomination? 
Yeah, I think it's important that we recognize all of us from little ones up are called to worship. So, um, you know, to have another worship opportunity for children and then make sure that they're enfolded back into communal worship is, is um, appropriate and, and very helpful. Um, we, we start getting concerned when people confuse worship and education and faith formation and take kids out to do Sunday school. That's not worship. We want, we want our kids worshiping. And so we, we like the Children in Worship program because it does just that. Um, and if anything, we would love to see something being added on that would help bridge the, the transition back into, into communal worship. But um, uh, yeah, I could see where, you know, children in worship is an exact fit because it does that. It follows those patterns and it uses the visual and the movement. I mean, it uses all those parts of, of and activities from, from the kids to integrate what, what they're learning. So um, that, yeah, I think that's a great thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that um, we talked about this in, when I was at uh, First Hamilton in Ontario. Um, one of the things we wanted to do was how do we help the kids understand that they belong um, in the story um, and in the story of what God's doing in the world um, and how does, that, how does that play out in our worship context. And so um, for our baptisms, we would actually have the kids come up and sit up front with us for the baptism time. Um, and we would quite often invite the kids to touch the water um, just touch the water, and and it was a, a a tactile thing. And I would I would say to them most weeks, "Do you remember your baptism?" And inevitably, some kid would say, "Yes." Um, everybody laughs, um, but in some sense, every time they touched that water, and every time they were invited to be part of what we were doing in baptizing this next kid, um, they were remembering their baptism. Um, they are rehearsing that storyline. They are remembering what they have been taught since they were, have been baptized, that they belong to Christ's body. Um, not just to their parents and their immediate family, but they actually belong to this body. And, and so there was something tactile. But what, what really started getting me was after the service, some of the adults walking up and touching the water as well. And them saying... I need to remember my baptism. Uh, and so there became a dialogue going around this of actually this thing that we're doing with the kids to help the kids understand was speaking powerfully to the whole congregation and helping the whole congregation remember our baptisms. It also made space then for people who had not been baptized who happened to be in worship to start asking the question, what does this mean for me? And to open up some of those conversations with other people about the potential of them becoming baptized at some point. Um, okay, so uh, if we could, well, no, let, let's circle back to uh, Great Commission now yep. at this point. We'll do that. Uh, I, I, have also, I have been so moved by that commission. One, it was an important part to my call, but as I leaned into it and saw the, the doubting piece while they were in worship, uh, while they were worshiping Christ, I think that's been both a comfort and a challenge for me when it comes to the Great Commission. And then uh, I, uh, a, a story here, if you'll 
uh, just bear with me. It's a it's a it's a story. It's a church story. So hopefully you'll resonate with it. Uh, there's a Bible commentator, Dale Bruner, and and he has a commentary on Matthew, and he talks about the Great Commission. He talks about those doubting disciples, and then he points out that uh, Matthew, what Matthew says, there were eleven of them, just eleven. Remember, right? Judas, Judas wasn't there. That's that's a reference, but. Bruner says the number 11 limps, right? Because the rest of the Bible, it's 12. 12 is the full people of God, and there's just 11 there. So just it highlights, I think, that worship service at the Great Commission is somehow lacking. It's limping. And then Jesus says, um, and despite all that, Jesus standing there, on wounded feet, wounded hands, and he says to the disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I've been wondering whether that authority of Jesus is for the church. The church's authority is the authority of a limp. This was brought home to me and the folks uh, when I was um, at uh, Celebration Fellowship. Right, the church that we participate in at Hanlon Prison, Bellamy Creek Prison, those services, I've said this before, but uh, you know, they, they have a small group component at the beginning, they have a worship service uh, to close off our time together. One of those times, I don't remember if I was at Hanlon or at Bellamy, I was in the small group and, and we were um, telling. Uh, I don't even remember how this happened, but the person I was with, the other outside member that I was with, he started talking about his own limp. In this case, it was an addiction. And every inmate was on the edge of his seat listening to this person talk about God's grace and love filling up and fixing their own weakness, their, their limp, if you will. And... Um, and so I've been in a lot of services, and, and, uh, but I've never seen so many inmates line up to shake somebody's hand <laughs> after a sermon. It was for that person who, who talked about the authority, got Christ's saving work within their limp because that was a story they could relate to. And I think, so I think the church, and this is where this conversation kind of for me, thinking about mission, kind of comes together. The, the significance of that, like the formation piece for me yep. to reflect on that for our brothers in prison and then for this, uh, we call ourselves outside member, to be able to share that story. Maybe a story that that person didn't, hadn't, I don't know. Maybe they hadn't shared it in their own congregation, uh, but they did there in that night and it was, it was quite a thing. Yeah. So, so there's that, yeah. Thought? Yeah, I, I, I do think there's something to that. The, um, part of it is, part of it, um, I would say part of the place I experienced it was actually with friendship ministry when I was at Plymouth Heights. Um, and we had, a, a, at that time, a friendship ministry that had about 50 friends that were part of it. And, and friendship ministry is? A ministry for people with cognitive impairments, adults with cognitive impairments. Um, and so often excluded from a lot of churches. There, there's just not space thought of. There's not cutouts and pews for wheelchairs to fit in. 
Um, we had someone who had been nicknamed Amen Judy because she said Amen throughout the worship service. Um, all sorts of different times, sometimes very providentially, sometimes it left you puzzled. Um, but, um, but seeing not just all of the friends who came into our worship service on a week-to-week basis, but actually incorporating several of the friends into the reading of Scripture to offering prayers during the service so that um, as they were able and through their abilities to be able to help lead, um, it shapes the church. And stories would come out from people who were visiting regularly about this would never happen in my home church. We are so focused on everything being excellent and professional (laughs) that it doesn't allow for brokenness to spill out. And sometimes we need to see spaces where things aren't all put together. Uh, And so I I think for me that lead with a limp integrated in worship, but it's speaking to people who just are not accustomed to uh, a worship space having things be less than excellent. And I want to bring up the the, uh, Holy Spirit in the midst of this conversation. So we're talking about children. We're talking about people with a limp uh, of various type and um, our own ideas of, you know, you need to have a certain amount of knowledge before you can minister or something like that. But if we truly believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we need to believe that um, the Holy Spirit can use people wherever they are at to minister to us, right? So that um, we can receive the word of God from a child. Um, that, that child might have something to say to us because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, one of our friends could be ministering to us because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we're all incorporated into worship um, and we're able to worship because of the power of the Holy Spirit, because none of us come to worship or to mission or anywhere having it all figured out. All of us have our own limp. And it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that our worship is perfected and lifted up to Christ, joined with Christ and presented before, before God's throne. And so when we understand that as well, um, that the Holy Spirit is alive and active and moving and can do things beyond our cognitive abilities even, I think that also helps us say, hey, you know, um, children have a place. Um, Persons with cognitive disabilities have a place because worship isn't just happening at the cognitive level. And the Holy Spirit doesn't need our brain to completely understand the Greek and the Hebrew to to speak to our souls uh, and and to elicit a response. I I think that propels us outward, though. One of the things I was, um, and I shared last week about uh, an impact from being in a Russian Orthodox church and how they viewed all of worship as outreach and mission. We're caught up in the story of Christ reconciling the world to himself and sending us out back into the world um, in worship. It's that sending back out. And if what we're encountering in the worship context is a space where the brokenness of the world is brought before God, um, we're sent back out into the world that still carries a lot of brokenness. But we're sent out as people who have experienced God's welcome and grace in the context of our own brokenness, 
that leads us to say, okay, so how do I live with God's grace and God's presence in the brokenness of others around me? What does that mean? How do I bring Christ, um, in a way, Christ's presence tangibly into these situations and relationships that I'm in elsewhere? So there, there's a, a propelling out of worship into the missional way of living. And I, th- I think that's where, um, I, where I find challenge, like in the outreach aspect of, of my job. Um, how, how much does that happen naturally, right, in our lives? Because it's supposed to, this, this discipleship aspect is a natural part of our lives, this, this evangelism part. And yet there's this necessity for the church to be organizing, you know, some of those events as well. So Celebration Fellowship and, and Kids Hope puts us out in, in, the, in the community. Um, so, so, yeah, and, but what I love is that I, I see it happening in all of those places, if I may mm-hmm. permit me another story, which resonates with the, um, with the belong. The, mm-hmm. What was that, those three points? Belong, you behave, believe. Belong, behave, believe. Um, this was a few years ago. Uh, it made sense to have a, a community Bible study. There was a number of people that I had contact with, and they were living in dwelling place apartments here. And, and we started this Bible study, and then, uh, then there was a guy from church. I, I, he's, I, I won't say who he is, but uh, just a guy from our church who heard about it. He and I were chatting because of his uh, volunteer work in the community. I said, oh, yeah, and I've got this Bible study. He said, oh, could I, could I go? We spent, we spent two years going through the Gospel of Mark. I mean, it was a discipleship sort of experience. Just two years taking it in little bite-sized pieces. And over the course of that time, right, belief kind of happened, and it was both ways. The most mem- one of the memorable moments happened when uh, Jesus when the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus, and so I think rich young ruler, and he says, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus says, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And there we're sitting, these two guys from LaGrave with pension plans, two and three stall garages full of stuff, and these guys living at dwelling place in these one-bedroom, you know, apartments. And I said, guys, this is hard. We, I know this is hard for us when we read passages like this. What do you all think about that? And out of that came this wonderful conversation back and forth. And I think the learning that we have from kids, learning from these brothers who had been homeless and had struggled with different, uh, just struggled in life. And, um, out of that coming to recognizing, well, in the end, for the rich young ruler, for those marginalized folks, it's all about Jesus. That's what Jesus is calling us to. That discipleship is, throughout Mark's gospel, is this call to follow Jesus all the way to the bitter end, which is the cross in, in Mark's gospel. So, um, so that back and forth, and the necessity to both receive and then give, I guess. I, I think part of 
part of what you're naming is um, there's some aspect of who Jesus is that we don't discover. So our discipleship is incomplete until we are in mission alongside what Jesus is doing in other people's lives. And then we get to see more of who Jesus is. A a parallel, which I think I may have shared in our conversations, um, my daughter loves theater. She absolutely loves drama, theater stuff. She's been in a bunch of of plays and musicals. Um, I get it when she's at home rehearsing. I experience a different part of my daughter when I see her on stage leading. There's something of who my daughter is that I would completely miss out on if I didn't go to those uh, events where she is in character and her passion's coming out and she's just so excited about what she's doing and I see her in full makeup afterwards um, and, and she's delight, this wonder and delight comes out of her. I think the same type of thing happens when we're not on mission. There's part of who Jesus is, part of who the Holy Spirit is. We don't get to see. We don't get to experience fully unless we're out there on mission with Jesus. And when we're in those places with Jesus, we're like, wow, that's you too. This is all part of who you are. Um, And so I think there's a a discovery part of who God is, um, part of our own formation that we actually need to be on mission in order to discover the fullness of who God is. And that, that puts us as a, a, our mission engagement, not simply as out of our resources, but we engage mission out of our need to discover more of who God is. So I think sometimes when we think our worship is dry, mm-hmm. the solution isn't change our worship. The solution may be go and do mission. Um, discover who God is, who Jesus is, what the Holy Spirit is doing, and join the Holy Spirit in its work. Because you do that during the week, and you come to church on Sunday, and all of a sudden, adoration to God, praising God. I mean, you have seen God do amazing things during the week, and it just flows naturally. Um, When we're going to pray and pray for the world and pray for our community, you have people in mind. You have situations in mind that you are asking fervently for God to intervene and change. And so that that missional living, that missional awareness um, flows back into our worship and makes our worship that much more vibrant and real. Um, and you know, what we can share, I think it's so important too in our worship to share stories, testimonies of where we have seen God at work during the week in, in some way or other. Um, I, I especially think for our, our, um, our high schoolers and our young adults, our middle schoolers who are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What difference does our worship make? You know, and that's kind of what they see. But when they hear us and not just church staff, but other people, and it doesn't need to be these huge testimonies. It can, it can simply be about that wonderful rainbow that we saw or, or, um, you know, this uh, caring, uh, we saw somebody caring for somebody else this week and, and we saw God in that. And we were reminded of our own call. I mean, it can be that simple. And we, we testify to what God and the Spirit is doing in the world around us. And it makes our worship that much more um, vibrant and real. Um, without it, it's just rote. It's just going through uh, the motions as if saying the right words and doing the right actions does something. And it, it really doesn't unless we have the rest of it. 
um, and, and that relationship with God all week long. Nice. Just another, <laughs> keep going. Stories. My role is here to tell stories. It's another good story. Time. Just a, um, a member of our congregation again. She is engaged in the community. She uh, teaches and, and leads folks. And um, this was something that she came to sort of as an adult. And we were talking about this and we were in a, um, a formational group together, uh, she and I. And, uh, and she said to me once, uh, and particularly this group was talking about how the Bible addresses the pain in our, this, I think this is an important part of the story, the pain of our, of our world, um, conflict between people because of race and, and uh, the, the immense sort of weight of poverty and all of, all of these um, conflicts. And we were coming at it from, how does the, what does the Bible talk about this? How do we as Christians kind of lean into this and, and learn from this. And she said, are you all preaching different since I started this class? Because suddenly I hear you talking about all these things and I don't think I heard all that before. And I said, no, we're not preaching any different. We're just <laughs> preaching the same stuff. And, and so it was that, that was just a, you know, anecdotal testimony of how when we um, engage in mission it has this formative and we kind of come back with this new reawakened sort of engagement with worship i think and and i would say one of our uh, one of the partners that faith formation ministries works with a lot is therefore go ministries used to be youth unlimited um, and they coordinate those serve projects and as I've looked at the serve projects, I think one of the important parts of why it is so powerful for many youth is it incorporates mission, worship, and discipleship all day long yes. in a sense of belonging. <laughs> and and they come out of, the kids come out of those experiences having seen, oftentimes for the first time, all of these pieces working together. Worship is woven into the day, discipleship's woven into the day, um, small group engagements woven into the day. They weave into it places to play together as a community and just do life. And you're doing mission <laughs> and in very tangible ways. And all those things get integrated for youth. And it, we hear coming out of those experiences, a lot of youth going, I didn't realize this is what my faith was about. Uh, and it's because all those things actually are working in sync together. And I, I often think, what if we could take that model and that's what we experienced as adults even, that we're interacting with each other throughout the week, not just on Sunday morning. We're doing some mission engagement together. We're worshiping together, not just on Sunday morning, but finding places in the week that we can actually pray together, maybe even sing together, um, outside, properly distance, um, all of that. But, but we, we find those ways to do that. And I think I think there's something when we start experiencing all these things integrated, our faith comes more alive. Um, we wrestle more, we experience lament more, but we also experience joy and a sense of God being with us in the midst of all of it more. Just another, I mean, we have Keep serve, going. serve comes here. You know, we've been doing <laughs> yep. it for 20 years plus-ish. 
30, yeah. almost 30 now. And I'm yeah. just thinking of, because this is where we serve breakfast, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And, and so we as staff often will volunteer for a morning or two mm -hmm. to, you know, and, and just that energy that they're sharing with us what's happening. Mm -hmm. they, they worship together with us. I, I mean, I can see we maybe need, mm -hmm. you know, there's opportunity for more integration. But even that week, I think we get a little taste of what you're, yep. what you're talking about. And, so. and I, I would say when I was helping coordinate them when I was at Plymouth Heights, we yeah. did seven year, six years. Of the seven years I was there, we, we hosted. Um, and, and the biggest change I saw was in the adults who were leading it every year. Yeah. There was a team of five or six, and they started asking questions. The first question after the second year we did it was, why are we always going downtown? To, to do our serve projects, the actual day projects, don't we know anybody in our known, own neighborhood around Plymouth Heights? And so they started walking the streets around Plymouth Heights to get to know some of the neighbors so that we were able to do serve actual service in the neighborhood around Plymouth Heights. Uh, and it was, it was a powerful transition to watch that take place over several years of people asking those questions and realizing we don't know our own neighbors. Um, what does that say about the, our gospel witness? Uh, and, and it was, really was being involved in serve that triggered that for, that, uh, for the adults. Okay, I'm looking at you, the clock. You got to go in a minute. Uh, so, <laughs> round the table. Last, last word. God's good. <laughs> All the time. All the time. All the time. Oh, that is good. You guys are such good friends, I tell you. Uh, how about, I will close with prayer, but Chris and Joyce, you'd be willing to hang around yeah. if people yeah. have some questions yeah. about all Definitely. of this. And um, yeah, thanks for participating, joining us in this, because uh, it's an important part of our, our need as a congregation is we kind of lean back into fall and this uh, building one another up. So it's an important part of that. So would you join me in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we, um, we are grateful that as we come together again and, and we experience uh, seeing people's faces and hearing one another's voices and, and worshiping together and, and serving together, that um, all of this brings honor and glory to you, that it, that it deepens our faith, and that it advances the work of your kingdom. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, who makes all of this possible. Amen. Amen. Next week on Growing You, LaGrave's own Jolene Dehir, public speaker, writer, prayer mobilizer, will be speaking on growing a vibrant prayer life. Join us at 10 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall.